0: Lectures in History is taking a break this week, and in its place, we are dropping the latest from our Presidential Recordings podcast. If you enjoy these episodes, you can find the entire
1: series wherever you listen to podcasts. Friday, November 22nd, 1963, was John F. Kennedy's 1036th day in office. It turned out to be his last. He was killed that day by Lee Harvey Oswald. The president began the day in Fort Worth, Texas, seeking support for his new frontier policies and building momentum for the 1964 presidential election. Vice President Lyndon Johnson, a Texas native, was with him. At 8 a.m., the president began a full day of appearances, starting with a speech at the Hotel Texas to the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce.
2: So this country, which desires only to be free, which desires to be secure, which desires to live at peace for 18 years under three different administrations, has borne more than its share of the burden, has stood watch for more than its number of years. I don't think that uh, we are fatigued or tired. We would like to live uh, as we once lived, but history will not permit it. The communist balance of power is still uh, strong. The balance of power is still on the side of freedom. We are still the keystone in the arts of freedom. And I think we'll continue to do as we have done in our past, our duty. And uh, the people of Texas will be in the lead. So I'm glad to come. I'm glad to come to this uh, state, which has played uh, such a significant role in so many efforts in this century. And to say that here in Fort Worth you people will be playing a major role in the maintenance of the security of the United States for the next ten years. I'm confident as I look uh, to the future that our chances for security, our chances for peace, are better than they've been in the past. And the reason is because we're stronger. And with that strength is a determination to not only maintain the peace but also the vital interests of the United States. To that great cause, Texas, and the United States are committed. Thank you.
1: Those would be his final public words. Hours later, he was dead. Coming up, recordings from that fateful day in Dallas. You'll hear radio calls between the White House and Air Force One while President Kennedy's body returned to Washington. Lyndon Johnson's first words upon landing at Andrews Air Force Base, now as president and the first calls of the Johnson administration. People often think C-SPAN is funded by the federal government. In fact, we're a nonprofit organization that receives no government funding. As news consumption changes, you can help ensure the future of C-SPAN's unfiltered coverage of national government and politics. We hope you will consider making a tax-deductible contribution that will support our daily editorial operations. To learn more, visit c-span.org slash donate. 13 minutes. That's how long the flight took on Air Force One, from Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth to Love Field in Dallas. At 11.55 a.m., the presidential motorcade left on its journey to the Dallas Trademark, where President Kennedy was to speak to the Texas Citizens Council at 1 p.m. More than 200,000 people lined the motorcade's route. Among them was President Kennedy's assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald. As it was passing the Texas School Book Depository, gunshots rang out. In the back seat of the convertible presidential limousine, the president slumped toward First Lady Jackie Kennedy.
3: KXOL Information 24 News Bulletin. Here is a bulletin from Dallas. President Kennedy was shot today just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy. She cried, oh no, the motorcade sped on.
1: Less than 30 minutes later, at Parkland Memorial Hospital, Father Oscar Huber delivered the president's last rites. White House Press Secretary Pierre Salinger, Secretary of State Dean Rusk, and several other cabinet members were on a plane traveling to Japan.
4: Wayside, side. this is crown. Situation is room. Room is on. Go ahead. Situation room, this is side. Do you read me,
3: over? This is situation room. I read you. Go ahead. Give me all available information on president, over. All available information on president follows. Uh, Colonel... John, He and Governor Connolly of Texas have been hit in the car in which they were riding. We do not know how serious the situation is. We have no information. Mr. Bromley-Smith is back here in the Situation Room now. We are getting our information over the tickers. Over. Uh, That is affirmative. Affirmative. Please uh, keep us advised on here. This plane on which uh, Secretary of State, other cabinet ministers, headed for Japan turning around, returning to Honolulu, will arrive there in approximately two hours, over. Uh, this is Wayside. Understand those departing Honolulu are turning around and will be back there in about two hours. Is that correct? Over. That is affirmative. Affirmative. Uh, we'll need all information to decide whether some of the parties
5: go directly
3: to Dallas. Over. Uh, this is uh, Situation Room. Say again your last, please. <laughs>
5: i so determine
3: whether some members of this party should go directly to Dallas, over. Uh, Roger, w- you wish information as to whether some members of that party should go to Dallas. I have Affirmative,
6: affirmative.
3: Do you have anything else, Wayside? No,
6: any other information,
5: get a, get a hold of the as grappling as possible.
3: All right, the uh, Associated Press is coming out now with a bulletin to the effect that they believe the President was hit in the head. That just came in. Over. Hold on the line there, Wayside. We have uh, some more information coming up. Uh, Wayside, Wayside, this is uh, Situation Room. I read uh, from the AP bulletin. Uh, Kennedy apparently shot in head. He fell face down in back seat of his car. Blood was on his head. Mrs. Kennedy cried, oh no, and tried to hold up his head. Connolly remained half seated, slumped to the left. There was blood on his face and forehead. The president and the governor were rushed to Parkland Hospital near the Dallas trademark where Kennedy was to have made a speech. Over.
5: This is Situation
3: Room, uh, relay following to Wayside. We have report quoting Mr. Kilduff in Dallas that the president is dead, that he died about 35 minutes ago.
1: At 2 p.m., the president's body was removed from Parkland Hospital, taken to Air Force One and flown back to Washington. You'll hear the codename duplex. That's for Gerald Bain, one of the president's top Secret Service agents.
7: Air Force One Andrews, duplex is on, duplex is on, sir. Duplex is on, this is Dr. Berkeley.
3: What arrangements have been made to the reception of the president? The, everybody
4: aboard Air Force One, everyone aboard Air Force One, with the exception of the body, will be choppered into the south ground. The body will be choppered to the Naval Medical Center at
5: Bethesda.
1: Over. With the president's body on its way to Washington, Assistant Press Secretary Matt Kilduff, using the codename Warrior, radioed press aide Andy Hatcher, codename Winner, about what to do with the press when Air Force One lands.
4: I read you clearly. Uh, when you listen to my question? Is Mrs. Kennedy aboard Air Force One? Uh, winner, Winner, that is, uh, warrior. that is a roger, that is a roger, over. All right, the other thing is uh, I'm setting up a press section on the south lawn about uh, 50 yards uh, from, uh, from the position of, heli- of helicopter number one. Would that meet Mrs. Kennedy's and the President's approval? Uh, well, uh, they are not returning to the House. Uh, they are not returning to the House, uh, for your own information. Uh, uh,
6: they're going someplace else. I don't want to, uh, go in on the radio on this one. Uh, so
4: there will be an arrival there, but it will be volunteer. It will be volunteer. Over. Thank you. I will hold that information, and, uh, we can say something after you arrive.
1: Volunteer was the codename for Lyndon Johnson. 99 minutes. That's how much time passed from President Kennedy's death to Lyndon Johnson's swearing in. His first act as the nation's new leader was to call John Kennedy's mother, Rose. His wife, Lady Bird, now the new First Lady, joined him on the call.
5: Yes, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I know. I know you love Jack and he loves you. Yes, Kathy. Yeah, we feel like we just yeah. have a. Yes. All right. We have glad that the reason has been done. We are to re- bed. Yes, Lady Bird. Thank you very much. Goodbye. No. Yes. All yes. And oh. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Air Force One arrived at Andrews Air Force Base at 6 p.m. Attorney General Robert Kennedy, the president's brother, was there. He, along with Jackie Kennedy, accompanied the body to Bethesda Naval Hospital. Meanwhile, President Johnson spoke to the crowd at Andrews.
8: This is a sad time for all people. We have suffered a loss that cannot be waived. For me, it is a deep personal tragedy. I know that the world shares the sorrow that Mrs. Kennedy and her family bear. I will do my best. That is all I can do. I ask for your help and God.
1: The nation also heard that night from President Kennedy's predecessor, Dwight Eisenhower.
7: I share the sense of shock and dismay that the entire nation must feel at the despicable act that took the life of the nation's president. On the personal side, Mrs. Eisenhower and I share the grief that Mrs. Kennedy must now feel and we send to her our prayerful thoughts and sympathetic sentiments at this in this hour general how would you counsel the american people at this time in the face of such a terrible thing i'm sure the uh, entire citizenry the nation will join as one man in expressing that not only their grief but their indi- indignation at this act and will stand faithfully behind the government. General, could you tell us how you got the word? I was at a meeting uh, for the United Nations and uh, while there a member of the meeting was called out and uh, came back and told us the news although at that time Uh, uh, We did not know the president was dead. We did not know when I got back here at that time that he was dead. But, uh, matter of fact, we had a, the last message we had was one rather of hope. And the entire company uh, merely paused for a minute at the request of the chairman, and each of us, in his own way, uh, said a silent prayer for the president. Should there be any concerns, sir, over national security at a time like this? No. I think the whole nation now would be uh, almost all of us security agents.
4: Will
7: the nation be all right in the few months ahead? Oh, I'm not going to uh, predict anything of that. i just say this. The American nation is a people of great common sense and they are not going to be stampeded or bewildered. Thank you. Mr. President, in, uh, history has uh, have assassinations affected uh, the political course of events. Well, uh, of course in Lincoln's uh, s- assassination, you the uh, presidency went to a man who was a registered democrat, uh, Mr. Johnson, in uh, Garfield, I doubt that there was any, and of course McKinley that brought in uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Of course, there have been other attempts in late years. Uh, Mr. Truman was at a grave threat his, to his life, and Mr. Roosevelt, just before he was inaugurated, you remember, down into when the Mayor Cermak was killed, was uh, ran a very grave uh, risk. There, these things have happened, and, and, and it seems inexplicable to me, because Americans are loyal. And it's just this uh, occasional psychopathic sort of uh, uh, accident that occurs and I I don't know what we can do about it.
2: Could you say anything general about how people will feel abroad from all your experience with the United Nations and others how will it be taken
7: abroad? Well I think they will be uh, a bit bewildered. This, um, in the civilized countries of the world this doesn't happen uh, so often and uh, you remember in the, the starting of World War I the um, Murder of the Archduke Ferdinand, I think his name was. Well, this? this is so almost uh, well. One of the contributory causes to uh, that war, and uh, but here, I, I just don't know what happens. And if, but we are a nation that where our freedoms are allowed, are are uh, observed in such a way that everybody is uh, uh, ready uh, to. I mean, everybody is, uh, you might say, capable of doing this if he's ready to put his own life on the line. General,
4: how will you spend the rest of
7: today and tomorrow? How will you spend the rest of today and then tomorrow? I expect, I have canceled the dinner date that I had for tonight. Tomorrow, I'm going immediately to my home and if I'm wanted for any purpose whatsoever, I will of course be available. Would you have any advice for the American people at this time? No, as I said, I know the American people will stand solid and they will not be uh, stampeded. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank Thank you. you Good night, uh, night. fellows.
1: President Kennedy's body left Bethesda Naval Hospital in the early morning of November 23rd. He lay in repose in the White House East Room for 24 hours. A horse drawn caisson, the same one used for President Franklin Roosevelt less than two decades earlier, carried John Kennedy to the Capitol building. More than 300,000 people lined Pennsylvania Avenue to see it. John F. Kennedy lay in state in the Capitol Rotunda for 18 hours. 250,000 people paid their respects, some waiting as long as 10 hours in the cold before they were able to get inside. On the morning of November 25th, approximately 1 million people lined the funeral route. It stretched from the Capitol to the White House, then to St. Matthew's Cathedral, and finally to Arlington National Cemetery. Here's how it sounded on Universal News.
9: As the cortege crosses the bridge over the Potomac River, there is a distant view of the memorial building dedicated to another martyr president, Abraham Lincoln. Now, the last goodbye to John F. Kennedy. covered the casket is folded. It is passed from hand to hand by the honor guard. It is received by the widow. Mrs. Kennedy ignites an eternal flame at the head of her husband's grave. John Fitzgerald Kennedy reaches the end of his earthly journey. Those he loved leave him to the green hills of Arlington Cemetery.
1: Coming up on presidential recordings, Lyndon Johnson gets to work just hours after becoming president. You'll hear calls with Michigan Governor George Romney, Senate Minority Leader Everett Dirksen, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, and Martin Luther King Jr. You can find more presidential recordings wherever you get your podcasts. Season one includes more from the Johnson administration. Season two includes calls from the Nixon administration.
9: Episode one of C-SPAN Radio's JFK, 60 Years Later podcast, Feed Drop. Coming up next, episode two. You can hear more episodes of the Presidential Recordings podcast, including season one, on President Lyndon Johnson, and season two on President Richard Nixon, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: November 22, 1963, ended very differently than it began for America. President John F. Kennedy was dead, Lyndon Johnson was now president, and the Texas native returned to Washington that night with challenges few before him had faced he'd have to quickly ramp up his own administration and bring together congressional, labor, and civil rights leaders to forge a way forward for the nation. But first, he'd need to console a grieving country and remind the world that the U.S. remains strong. On November 27, 1963, five days after President Kennedy's death, President Johnson addressed a joint session of Congress.
8: Mr. Speaker, Mr. President, members of the House members of the Senate, my fellow Americans, all I have I would have given gladly not to be standing here today. The greatest leader of our time has been struck down by the foulest deed of our time. Today John Fitzgerald Kennedy lives on in the immortal words and works that he left behind. He lives on in the mind and memories of mankind. He lives on in the hearts of his countrymen. No words are sad enough to express our sense of loss. No words are strong enough to express our determination to continue the forward thrust of America that he began.
1: Coming up, the first calls of Lyndon Johnson's White House as he prepares to lay his predecessor to rest and chart the country's path towards healing. On the night of November 22, 1963, just hours after John Kennedy's murder, President Lyndon Johnson spent more than three hours in his vice presidential office making and taking calls. One of his first was with Supreme Court Justice Arthur Goldberg. Oh, just uh, you've been such a
6: wonderful friend and... Uh, You and that great wife of yours have uh, been such a comfort and strength to me in this administration that I just didn't want to leave my desk tonight without telling you that you... (laughs) We'll <laughs> Thing and the, the general feeling of trying to bring them together. And you know, I had a meeting with leaders tonight. I was very used to well, say well, the Republicans were really better than the Democrats. Well, that's the only sad word. Ferguson was fine. He was. He flew back in the helicopter from the airport. He was fine. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That's all great.
1: He also talked to Democratic National Committee Treasurer Richard McGuire. Later, he called AFL CIO President George Meany. George, George uh,
6: you know how tragic this whole thing is, and I just told you to tell you that uh, you have been of uh, inestimable help to this administration and to uh, your country.
1: He also called three prominent Democrats, Minnesota Governor Carl Rolvog, Wisconsin Governor John Reynolds Jr., and Wisconsin Democratic Party Chair Patrick Lucy. That afternoon, the president called Marie Tippett, the widow of Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett, who was also shot to death by Lee Harvey Oswald just hours after he shot the president. President Johnson also talked to Michigan Governor George Romney. The next day, he talked with Senate Minority Leader Everett Dirksen about planning a speech before a joint session of Congress. Just what happened in Dallas was still being sorted out. But the next day, violence struck again. When Lee Harvey Oswald himself was shot at point-blank range by nightclub owner Jack Ruby. Two top Johnson confidants, Bill Moyers, then a special assistant to the president, and Eugene Rostow, dean of the Yale Law School, talked about all of it. Talk to you.
4: Thank you, boy. If I can help in any way, I will. I'm calling... With a suggestion, I've just talked to Nick Katzenbach. Yes. And the poor fellow, he has so much of a burden on him. Yes. I've talked to him about three times today, and uh, he just sounded so groggy. So I thought I'd pass this thought along to you. Um, and of course, I realize how how tough it must be now for the president. Uh, in this situation, with this bastard killed. Uh, my suggestion is that the, a presidential commission be appointed of very distinguished citizens in the very near future, bipartisan and above politics, no Supreme Court justices, but people like Tom Dewey and, uh, you know, Bill Story from Texas. Right. And so on. Right. A commission of seven or nine people, maybe Nixon, I don't know. Right. Uh, to look into the whole affair of the murder of the president. hmm because world opinion and American opinion is just now so shaken by the behavior of the Dallas police that they're not believing anything.
0: That's, uh, I can understand that.
4: Uh, now, I've got a party here. We I've been pursuing the the policy, you know, that people need to come together at this time. And you know what you could do that would be
0: very helpful? And this is, a, this is a good suggestion, and I'll pass it on just a minute. The president's calling.
6: Hello? Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Excuse me, go ahead. What uh, can I do
4: to go help?
0: Well, I was just thinking coming in a few minutes ago after hearing the news of Oswald shooting that... This is symptomatic of what has been happening in this country in the last few years and the breakdown of respect for law and order, you know, the, the, the signs uh, impeach the Supreme Court, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I could have a memorandum to give to the president along these lines, that one of his great tasks is to help, you know, continue the institutions that seem to be, uh, at least if not, if not in doubt right now, at least uh, weakened by some kind of sickness that has taken hold of some parts of our population. Uh, I'd like him to, 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 to have that to consider in, in some private talks he's having with newsmen and with uh, uh, perhaps for his joint session next Wednesday night. Uh, he needs to make some point, you know, that, that America is known as a land of public order, a land of uh, civility, a land of in which the public safety is guaranteed. and and. Uh, there's a very serious question right now in the mind of the world about these institutions that undergird us so tremendously.
4: And his, his Gettysburg speech last spring was just terrific. It yes. could not have been better. Yes. I'll yes. be glad to send any member right. to speak
0: couple right I, away. All right. Now, your suggestion is that he appoint a special commission of distinguished Americans, primarily in the field of law, I presume, yeah. to look into the whole question of the assassination. That's right. All right. No report on it. Uh, all right, I'll get that to him. Also, I wish you would keep me informed about how Nick is 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 doing. We don't want to put any greater strain on him than is necessary. Uh, but uh,
4: well, he's, he's a able boy. man. Have utmost faith in him. But yes, he's, he's he's fighting back. All right. terrific. Strike. Thanks for calling. I'll will t- follow through. All right. goodbye.
1: Meanwhile, with the Johnson administration barely off the ground, the new president turned to top Kennedy White House aide Larry O'Brien to ask for help. Mr. President. Uh,
8: needless to tell you, I'm most anxious for you to continue just like you have been, because I need you a lot more than he did.
7: Mr. President, uh, did you, uh, Ken is here with me, did you uh, Do you have any uh, media problem? No.
8: No, I just wanted you to know that uh, how strongly I felt about you and Ken and all the rest of the staff, and I had talked to some of them individually. I hadn't had a chance to run into you, and I think you know the confidence I have and admiration I have for you. I know that,
2: Mr. President. I didn't
8: expect you to love me as much as you did him, but I expect you will after we've been around a while. Right, Mr. President. I, I just uh, wanted to uh, tell you I tell it. I want to congratulate you, too, on that month vote up there. I think it would be a terrible thing, to his memory, to have this uh, you know, yeah. wheat sale thing that... Uh, repudiated, and I hope that uh, they got the votes in the Senate and they don't take it up until they do have them to beat it. Do
7: you know anything about it? No, I've, uh, I'll check that, though. The
8: committee voted against it.
4: I know
7: it. But
8: apparently the leadership agreed to bring it back and let the Senate vote on it.
7: There was an agreement that it would be uh, reported out on the 25th. Yeah. And uh, that they would bring it to the floor of the Senate.
8: Well, they voted 87 today. Yeah. Now, what's important is that we check those votes pretty carefully. Somebody, I, I don't want to be in a position of personally doing or having some underling on my staff do it. I'd rather somebody in your office check. Right. I did tell Mansfield that I thought it would be terrible to Kennedy's memory and a hell of a way to launch a new administration. Oh, I agree. I agree. So I, I want somebody to give it a little attention and let me know tonight or in the morning if there's anything that I need to know about it if it's not well
7: taken care of. Very good.
8: And then you let me know any suggestions you have because we're in
7: this thing. All right, Mr. President. Thank you. Larry. Thank you.
1: <laughs> he also talked to FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover to let him know about the calls for an investigation into President Kennedy's death. Yes? Mr. Hoover on
8: 2383. Mr. Hoover, 2383. three. Three eight three, let me sign it. Just right, two things, sir. Uh... Apparently, some lawyer and justice is lobbying with the Post because uh, that's where the suggestion came from to, to this presidential commission, which we think would be very bad, and uh, uh, put it right in the White House, and uh, we can't be uh, checking up on every, uh, every uh, uh, shooting scrape in the country, but they've gone to the Post now to get them an editorial, and the Post is calling up saying they're going to run an editorial if we don't do things. Now, we're going to do two things, and I want you to know about one, we have that the way to handle this is, uh, as we said uh, yesterday, your suggestion that you, whatever facilitates your command and making a full report to the Attorney General, and then uh, they make it available to the country in whatever form is, uh, seem, may seem desirable. Right. So I was president. Second, well, yeah, the state, it's a state matter, too, and the State Attorney General is young and able and prudent and very cooperative with you. Yes. He's going to run a, a court of inquiry, which is provided for by state law, and he's going to have associated with him the most outstanding uh, jurist in the country, but he's a good uh, conservative fellow. And uh, uh, we don't uh, start invading uh, local jurisdictions that way. And he understands what you're doing and he's for it. And I want you to understand what he was doing and and he's very strong for it. He's going to announce it today. Now, if you get too many too many cooks uh, messing with the broth, it it would mess it up. And uh, yeah. and I think that these two are trained organizations. Yes. And uh, the attorney general of the state holds courts of inquiries every time a law is violated. And uh, the justice uh, and the FBI makes these investigations. So I want you to know that and you'll tell your press man that that's what's happening, yeah. and they can expect uh, they can expect Wagner Carr, the attorney general of Texas, to make an announcement this morning yeah. uh, of a state inquiry, and that uh, uh, you can offer a mere full cooperation. Uh, and uh, uh, vice versa. He'll do it with you. Right. We'll, we'll both work together. And any influence you got with the Post to uh, have them point out to them that you don't want too many things and it's just picking out a Tom Jerry lawyer from New York and sending him down on new facts, this commission thing, Mr. H- uh, Mister Herbert Hoover tried that and sometimes a commission that's not trained hurts more than helps. It's a regular circus then. That's right. Because it'll be covered by TV and everything. Just else. like an investigating committee. Exactly. I, I don't have much influence with the Post because I frankly I know that. I do it like a daily work. <laughs> you told me that once before. <laughs> but, uh, but I just want your people to know the facts, yeah. and your people can say that, and that kind of negates it. You say, yes, yes, thank you. We'll take care of that. Thank you, Mr. President.
1: On November 26th, he spoke with Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr.
8: and your cooperation and your uh, to communication, and a good many people told me that they uh, heard about your statement, I guess, on TV, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, I, I, I've been locked up in this office, and I haven't seen it, but I won't tell you how grateful I am and how, uh, how worthy I'm going to try to be of all your hopes. Well, thank you very much. I'm so happy to hear that, and I knew... That you had just that great spirit, and you know you have our support and backing. Well, we know what a difficult period this is. It's uh, it's a, just know. an impossible period. We got a budget coming up. It's we got nothing to do with. It. It's practically already made, and we got a civil rights bill that hadn't even passed the house. And it's November, and Hubert Humphrey told me yesterday everybody wanted to go home. We got a tax bill that they haven't touched, and we just. Uh, got to let up, not let up on any of them and keep going. And I yeah. guess they'll say that I'm repudiated, but I'm going to ask the Congress Wednesday to just stay there till they pass them all. They won't do it, but we'll just keep them there next year till they do and we just won't give up an inch. Uh-huh. Well, this is, this is mighty fine. I think it's, uh, it's so imperative. I think one of the great uh, tributes that we can pay in memory of President Kennedy is to try to enact some of the Great uh, progressive policies that he sought to initiate. Well, I'm going to support them all, and you can count on that, and I'm going to do my best to get other men to do likewise, and I'll have to have y'all's help. Uh, I never needed more than I do now. Well, you know you have it, and just feel free to call on us for anything. Thank you so much, Martin. All right, call me when you. Do, call. Uh, the I sure will. Call me when you're down here next time. I certainly will. But let's get together and and any suggestions you got, bring them in. Fine, I certainly will do that. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: The next day, President Johnson went before Congress and the nation.
8: An assassin's bullet has thrust upon me the awesome burden of the presidency. I am here today to say I need your help. I cannot bear this burden alone. I need the help of all Americans, in all America. This nation has experienced a profound shock. And in this critical moment it is our duty, yours and mine, as the government of the United States to do away with uncertainty and doubt and delay, and to show that we are capable of decisive action. that from the brutal loss of our leader we will derive not weakness but strength, that we can and will act, and act now. From this chamber of representative government let all the world know and none misunderstand that I rededicate this government to the unswerving support of the United Nations, to the honorable and determined execution of our commitments to our allies. to the maintenance of military strength second to none, (laughs) to the defense of the strength and the stability of the dollar, (laughs) to the expansion of our foreign trade. to the reinforcement of our programs of mutual assistance and cooperation in Asia and Africa, and to our Alliance for Progress in this Hemisphere. On the twentieth day of January, in 1961, John F. Kennedy told his countrymen that our national work would not be finished in the first thousand days, nor in the life of this administration, nor even perhaps in our lifetime on this planet. But, he said, let us begin today in this moment of new resolve. I would say to all my fellow Americans, let us continue. As one who has long served in both houses of the Congress, I firmly believe in the independence and the integrity of the legislative branch. And I promise you that I shall always respect this. It is deep in the marrow of my bones. With equal firmness, I believe in the capacity and I believe in the ability of the Congress, despite the divisions of opinions which characterize our nation, to act. To act wisely, to act vigorously, to act speedily. When the need arises, the need is here. The need is now. I ask your help. We meet in grief, but let us also meet in renewed dedication and renewed vigor. Let us meet in action in tolerance and in mutual understanding. John Kennedy's death commands what his life conveyed, that America must move forward. Time has come for Americans of all races and creeds and political beliefs to understand and to respect one another. So let us put an end to the teaching and the preaching of hate and evil and violence. turn away from the fanatics of the far left and the far right, from the apostles of bitterness and bigotry, from those defiant of law and those who pour venom into our nation's bloodstream. Profoundly hope that the tragedy and the torment of these terrible days will bind us together in new fellowship, making us one people in our hour of sorrow. So let us here highly resolve that John Fitzgerald Kennedy did not live or die in vain. And on this Thanksgiving Eve, as we gather together to ask the Lord's blessing and give him our thanks. Let us unite in those familiar and cherished words. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood, from sea to shining sea.
1: In the early days of his administration, President Johnson worked with Congress to pass a federal budget and a tax reform bill. Seven months later, Congress and the White House worked together to pass the landmark Civil Rights Act. Lyndon Johnson ran and won the 1964 election in one of the biggest landslides in history. He served until January 1969. President Kennedy's wife, Jackie, died in 1994. The pink suit she wore while traveling with her husband when he was killed belongs to the National Archives. You can hear all seasons of presidential recordings, including more tape phone calls, between Lyndon Johnson, his family, friends, and members of his administration. If you like this program, you can find all seasons of presidential recordings at cspan.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.